Good evening, everyone. It's Necro Thursday. I'm here with co-host Jeff Kashid. How are you doing? Good, man. How are you doing? Doing okay. I was just telling you offline, I've just been like super exhausted these last couple of days. I'm not sure what it is, but I'm uh, feeling a little, little run down, you know? Same here, man. Yes, I, I, which I also told you off air. Like, I, I don't know what's going on, but like, I, I feel like if someone just tapped me with their finger, I would fall over half the time. Yeah, yeah. Like, just com- completely shot. Yeah, you know, hopefully, you know, today being, uh, you know, the weekend looming ahead, maybe get some good rest or something like that, you know? Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely needed. Um, uh, maybe it's the weather here, you know, I've lived in California for a long time. You, you get adjusted to it. And, you know, here one day it's 80 degrees. The next day it's, you know, 50 and cloudy. And maybe that's just, you know, fucking with me. And I don't know. Maybe I'm dying. I don't know. <laughs> we are. We're all dying in this kind of uh, Sylvia Plath uh, sort of way, I guess, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That's, didn't, <laughs> didn't she fucking drown herself? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Yeah, she like drowned. Her, she, she died some dramatic way. She like drowned herself or stuck her head in an oven or something. I, I I can't remember which one. Can you imagine drowning yourself? No. I feel God, like no. every every even if, as much as you want, if you wanted to really die, even there's some part of you that would like not allow yourself to drown. I feel like you know unless you tied like a fucking anvil to your ankle or something like that and dropped it in a lake or something. You know. Yeah, exactly. Or like that would be in in the top three of ways to not to die. (laughs) You know, like that setting yourself on fire. I think that's even more brutal. I heard, though, once your nerve endings burn away, you don't feel anything if you like immolate yourself, you know. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. Well, Mike, there's only one way to find out. Yeah, Um, let's do it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, I uh, you know, put my hand too close to a stove the other day, and, and it was so hot. I was like, I can't imagine experiencing that all over your body for like, I don't know, a minute. How long would it take to uh, for your nerve endings to Dude. burn away? You know, it would take some time. That's what made the ending of Saint Maud like so intense, man. You know. Oh God, yeah, one of the most disturbing split second <laughs> uh, shots. In a movie I've seen in a long time. Yeah. Uh, before we get rolling, I just want to remind everyone that once you're done with this podcast, you got to head on over to the other horsemen of the podcasting apocalypse respective shows. And of course, on Monday, we have Brandon Legion bringing us every damn week Horror Wolf 666, which uh, his horror podcast focuses on interviews and he's got up-and-comers old salts and uh pretty much a really good group of guests and uh except for me i'm gonna be a guest on it uh, tomorrow oh hey that's awesome dude except what yeah. you're you're already like you know telling everyone not to expect a whole lot from it <laughs> <laughs> you didn't even do you it know. yet man <laughs> well you know yeah <laughs> pretty much <laughs> Tuesday, we have Grandmaster Jackie Smith bringing you into the Necrosphere, the premier extreme music podcast on the internet. And uh, it's, it's really the only music-related show that I listen to. 
Wednesday is Everything Went Black, which is uh, a uh, pastiche of various subjects. You can find episodes about music, art, filmmaking, martial arts, and uh, pretty much um, anything. You know, it's like, you know, it's an, an open book for people. Thursday, of course, is Necro Thursday, which is today. Mm-hmm. Friday, we have Break the Apocalypse featuring Mike Scandato's very own brother, John Draper. And what that that's also a, a very um, diverse subject matter related show. Uh, it's the irreverence on, you know, daily events, things like that. Saturday is a day off from the horsemen. So go out, enjoy the sun take off your shoes, run your toes through some grass, something like that, get to get vitamin D, like that kind of thing, re-energize mm. yourself. Because on Sunday, Kal Haikara brings the darkness with Soul Knox. Yes, indeed. And you, you were you just on that? Yeah, I, actually, uh, I, I'm almost like a semi-regular uh, guy on his show. I mean, we, we do uh, a lot of these um, Eldritch Tales episodes together where we talk about weird fiction. And uh, we're planning an upcoming crossover series, actually, uh, where we're going to be breaking down all of the stories that are in the new Carl Edward Wagner reissue of In a Lonely Place. You know, and, and uh, I hope that th- this republication of this book is heralding the return of his other work because he's been out of print for a really long time, man. Right. Yeah. Nice. And uh, you were just on Horror Wolf as well, uh, right. talking yeah. about the scariest six six scariest horror movie moments in your life. That's right. Yeah, and that's that's uh, it's always fun to get together with Brandon on these types of things. You know, I enjoy these list shows, stuff like that. Me too, man. I am a sucker for lists. Yeah, and it changes all the time too. You know, what I mean, it's like I, that day on that day, that that could be my list, but then like two days later, it's probably different. You know? Oh yeah, absolutely. I, it made me go through my uh, my head and like, well, what would be my six scariest? And I would say ninety nine percent of it is from early childhood. Exactly, man. And I feel like you know that that's a testament to the brilliance of Skinnerink about early childhood and vulnerability and things really scaring you and that sort of stuff, you know? Absolutely. I, 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 I'm already convinced that that is going to be in my top five for 2023. Me too. You know, I, um, as time goes on, I like it more and more. And I, I actually gave it another viewing and, uh, oh. it's even more fucking intense the second time you watch it. Cause you kind of know what's going on a little bit. And, I don't know. It's like it makes the um, those sort of sections of the film where nothing's going on. Like you kind of are starting to you're starting to look deeper into it, you know. And I don't know. Yeah. Just I, I enjoyed it more the second time. Haven't seen it a second time. Although I have to say, still pouring in uh, text messages saying, "I can't believe you told me to watch this." <laughs> well, I haven't. I I will never recommend anyone watching it. I would say, you know, the best I would say to someone is like check this out at your own peril you know what i mean it's yeah I, yeah always an asterisk at the end like oh by the way you might hate this yeah it's like it's like listening to white house or something you know it, it's it's not for everyone you know some people you know enjoy bands like that and some people just don't you know and that's just the way it is 
Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. Different strokes for different folks. Speaking of uh, movies and stuff, uh, you check anything out recently? Uh, a few things I, I, I wanted to mention. Saw a few trailers uh, I, I wanted to get your opinion on. There is yet another Children of the Corn film coming out. Another remake. Uh, I, I thought this movie was remade maybe like 10, 12 <laughs> years ago. Maybe I'm wrong. But now we're getting it again uh, for some reason. <laughs> um what do you think of that? Completely unnecessary. Yeah, yeah, totally. And it doesn't look. I uh, the original Children of the Corn is 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 not great. I mean, it does. It kind of follows Stephen King's story, but omits the ultra bleak ending. And I was like, well, maybe this one will stick closer to the story. But this looks like it took King's idea and is just sort of going in a completely different direction. Yeah, I mean, I just prefer the short story best. You know what I mean? It's it's like, um, you know, kind of like an American folk horror story. You know, it's it's like Stephen King Americanizing like an Arthur Mackin story or something like that. That's kind of how I, I view it, you know? Yeah, and with 11 movies out or 12, I don't know how many. There's a lot. Yeah, there's I'm a lot. Of one of them would. A lot of sequels, man, for sure. One of them, you think by now, would have gotten it right. And from what I've seen, they haven't. And I haven't seen all of them. I think I've seen the first one and maybe one or two others. I, I can't remember. I mean, with the exception of uh, a very short list of films, the, the sequels have just been like really, you know, every all these franchises don't get better the more movies you add to it, you know? Yeah, yeah, very true. Uh Another thing uh, that caught my attention, I don't know if we talked about this off-air or if you and Mike Scandato talked about this. There's another Evil Dead movie coming out, too, which I, I saw the trailer for. Yeah, yeah. I, we, we had a discussion about this, I think. I thought, actually, I thought you were included on this, but I guess not. I probably was, but yeah. my memory sucks. And I know I was watching the trailer the other day, and I was like, yeah, I still don't know what I think. I mean, that, that's another movie that, like, you know, the first three are, are great, and... Uh, I did not like the remake at all. Um, I thought the TV show was kind of okay, a little bit too silly for me. Uh, this looks to have that Bloomhouse sheen on it. You know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, skeptical, but, you know, I'm still going to check it out, of course. That, that Bloomhouse sheen is like that... Uh like that in the eighties where there'd be like a, a scene in, in a film where there's like a, some shirtless dude with like Vaseline rubbed all over his body. You know what I mean? That's, that's the, that's the Bloomhouse sheen. If you ask me. Yeah. It, 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 uh, I call it the Bloomhouse sheen or like the Netflix look. Right? And it just has that look to it. Yeah. No, uh, so right away that bugged me. And on the flip side, because we're uh, covering a George Romero movie today, um, and because it was uh, next to Land of the Dead in my collection, I watched the Night of the Living Dead remake by Tom Savini from 1990. Well, I back that remake, honestly. Yeah, it's not bad at all. Yeah. Me and Mike did an episode that on that a while back. And uh, it was, it was um, I, I, I fucking love it. I think it's great. I saw that in a movie theater, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah. No, it, it, I mean, it's good. It sticks pretty much to the original with a few few changes to the ending and to the 
Barbara character. And, you know, there's, there's definitely some corniness to it, um, which we'll probably get into when we talk about Land of the Dead. Like when she says, we are them and they are us. Like just fucking the biggest eye roll yeah. <laughs> ever. But uh, yeah, uh, it's it's pretty uh, surprisingly tame too for Tom Savini directing. I would imagine in 1990 he probably ran into some problems with the ratings board or something and had to tone it down. I, I don't know that for a fact, but that's what I'm guessing. Yeah, Savini is famously uh, unsatisfied with that movie, apparently. Ah, okay. Yeah, so right. maybe we'll get like a Zack Snyder style <laughs> director's cut that's like three hours long or something. I, I kind of wouldn't mind seeing something like that, honestly. Yeah, I kind of wouldn't either, to tell you the truth. Um, yeah, still still watching The Last of Us, which I assume you are. Yeah. Yeah. Thoughts? Yeah. Thoughts? It's losing me a little. This last episode that, that aired, uh, and when people listen to this, it's going to be offset by a couple weeks, but... Uh, that last episode, man, it, you're at it's at the precipice of of really jumping the shark, honestly. Yeah, yeah. I, I was the first three episodes was very on board. It's like three so far, great, uh, and it's tapered off a lot. Like uh, it just seems to be like blowing through really big moments and like okay, that happened, moving on. Uh, so uh, they still got a few episodes to turn it around, but. Uh, Strong start, weak middle, hopefully strong ending. And also, they they uh, they kind of meditate a little too much on these uh, heartstrings moments. You know what I mean? Yeah, you were saying that. Yeah, yeah. It's like I I uh, I like having my heartstrings plucked every now and then, but not like sure. on every, in every single episode. It seems like there's like the super emotional, you know, and you know, sort of item like element of the story that comes up. And I'm like, all right, okay, now it's becoming like. They're just going to that well like too many times, you know? Yeah, I, well, I thought a big moment was, uh, you know, him reuniting with his bro spoilers. Well, I mean... To no, the people will have seen that by the time... I mean, if True. you're watching the show, by the time you hear this, you'll already seen the episode. The reuniting like with his brother, that felt like a, a bigger story arc, and they just sort of blow through it in, you know, 45 minutes or an hour. I, uh, I was like, really? That's it? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like you know, you know, would have been cool because like this, this story is definitely sizing up like a, a almost like a western or something, you know. Which I and I like westerns, you know. I'm a big fan oh, of like, of course, you know, that style. Where it's like his brother, they really could have had a moment where the brother left his pregnant wife, and there would be that, you know, like you see that in westerns where you bring the guy out back on the road again for one last, you know, one last run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I thought that's what this was going to be. I thought that's the direction it was going to go in, where he was going to bring his brother out with him to accompany him. And he's like, you know, the whole, there would be a conflict between him and the wife, you know. It just makes us, but he's like, well, it's my brother. You know, I have to, you know, I got to see this to the end. You know, it's some sort of, like, dramatic element like that. But that that's where I really thought it was going. But it just, it didn't, you know. No, it didn't. And uh, he makes this decision, well, I'm going to like leave Ellie in my brother's hands. And five minutes later, he's like, oh, uh, no, I'm not. I'm going to take you. That was a little, uh, uh, little, little weird, I thought, that, that section. Yeah, it just felt like this, this should be a big moment. Like, and they just brush right through it. Um, I don't know. 
Bert, jury's still out for, for that show, whether yeah. or not. I, I, I still, when all is said and done, will probably still say it's the best video game adaptation ever because, I mean, really, the rest of them are just garbage. I, yeah. I've never seen a good one. And uh, this, I mean, it's good. It's just sort of rubbing me the wrong way. Check. I understand. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, man? What have you been watching or well, checking out? You know, I never saw the uh, the Ving Rhames Day of the Dead. <laughs> oh, my God. I forgot all about that. It's on Tubi right now, so I watched it. <laughs> and? Um, all right. If it's like a Saturday afternoon and you really are bored, definitely check it out. Because it's like watching like a sci-fi channel like show. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. I used to love doing that when I was, like, hungover back in Boston. <laughs> it's perfect for that. You know, if you're, like, just, you know, shot and you're, like, got nothing to do and you're too lazy to do anything and there's, you know, you, you ran out of other stuff to watch. And it's on Tubi right now, so you check it out. And, okay. But it, it wasn't good. I mean, it, was, it wasn't like, uh, oh, yeah, man, this thing rules. You know, <laughs> it's not definitely it's the opposite <laughs> of that for sure. And uh, I just think it's funny because Ving Rhames was in the, the Dawn of the Dead remake, too. Yeah, I was going to ask you, is he playing the same character? No, no this actually oh. has nothing to do with the George Romero continuity. Okay. They just oh, basically heisted the name Day of the Dead. You know how, like, a, a lot of times Italian films will, will do that? You know, they'll, like, yeah. <laughs> they'll just, like, name it something that, like, in a like a sequel to a film and that came out in the United States and it just has nothing to do with it. So they, they stole that from the Italians, but um, it really, it has nothing to do. Not even like, actually, to be honest with you, the concept is pretty interesting. Like the germ mm -hmm. of the idea for this is it's different. You know, it's more like an infected zombie kind of thing. You know? Okay. And Ving Rhames isn't even really in the film though for that much. He's only in like a handful of scenes. Oh, interesting. They just needed, like, a name to sell it. Like, we got Ving Rhames. Yeah, he's not the star of the movie at all. And, uh, yeah, so I don't know. It it, it was like, uh, you know, I, I definitely won't watch it again, you know. <laughs> but it's like, part of me was like, I've seen all the other zombie movies out there, and I that's one of the ones I haven't seen. So I, one night I just decided to watch it, like, you know, before I went to sleep. No, so... What's it a sequel to exactly? Is it a sequel to the original or the... No, no, no. It's a standalone thing, you know? It almost Ooh. felt like, like I mentioned Sci-Fi Channel. It almost felt like this was a, like a pilot for a sci-fi television show or something. Oh, wow. I mean, okay. I, I just, right. I, that may or may not even be the truth, but it feels like it was setting up like a, another world to start having episodes in, you know? Sure. You know what? I, in my head, I was getting confused. This is a technically a remake. There is a sequel to Day of the Dead, Day of the Dead 2. Yeah. I, I get, yeah. Which apparently is pretty terrible. I don't know. I've never seen it. I wouldn't even call this a remake because, like I said, it has absolutely nothing to Just, do with any anything in the Romero universe because it starts at day one of the zombie infection. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Is it in the public domain or something? Like, you know, anyone can remake Night of the Living Dead because it's in the public domain. Is Day of the Dead the same thing? I have no idea. I doubt it because I think a major studio produced that. So I yeah. they're, that's what uh, I thought. I don't know. 
and maybe uh, I don't know how they got away with calling it day of the day. <laughs> Yeah. Well, thank you for watching it, man. Taking one for the team. <laughs> yeah. Then I, I also watched another 2B film called Crone Woods. Crone Woods? Oh. Not bad. It's, um, I've been watching this guy's YouTube channel, this guy called uh, The Ghost Pirate. And uh, he showed up in my stream one day. And I was like, all of his shows are like recommendation shows, you know? on various streaming services and this one was recommended by this guy and uh it actually was pretty good it was like a found footage film a full color hmm. film it takes place in the woods in ireland um i i kind of back this movie actually i think it's pretty good okay crone woods or crone crone woods yeah crone woods yeah should be easy for me to remember yeah, it's the name it of your be- electronic uh, project that you're doing yeah, my techno project. Your techno dance project. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Your dark um, wave, dark wave synth project, side project that you're doing. Yeah, you know, we're kind of going into the outlaw country territory with the next one. <laughs> <laughs> everyone, everyone has a, a dark wave synth side project these days. So you know, the outlaw country, yeah. outlaw country thing would be the next, uh, you know thing to do it's, it's going to come back around because you know when 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 post-rock was was popular everyone in or post-metal everyone in those post-metal bands were like yeah man i only listen to like outlaw country <laughs> like oh that's that's funny you sound a lot like neurosis you must have heard them once or twice <laughs> you think that has something to do with uh one of the members in neurosis saying that he likes outlaw country maybe yeah <laughs> who knows people just trying to be cool you know there, there's uh, Crone Woods is cool. It's but there's this thing in there where part of me is like the story. I, you know, it, it's a good story, and it has to do with like the Green Man, you know, like Kernunos and all this like folk folklore stuff, which I thought was interesting. And oh, for sure. And uh, but <laughs> I, this guy gets a, basically gets abducted by these. Um, these like young uh, Irish chicks out in the woods. As you do, and I part, and he's like, "No, no, I'm not going to join you." And I'm like, "Bro, it's like, I wish these women would have like found me in the woods somewhere and, and invited me to join their little operation out there." You know what I mean? It's like that's the only yeah. thing in the movie where I'm like, "Why? Why would you like run away from this? It sounds great. You're eating like." you know, organic food every day. And there's like, he's, you know, really attractive young women around you all the time. And, you know, so what? Yeah, it's, if you, it's anti-Christian, you know? Yeah. Well, if you got nothing else going on in life, you know, that's a pretty good, pretty good gig. But yeah, I recommend checking it out. It's pretty good. You know? Okay. Definitely. I don't think I have to be, uh, maybe I do. I don't know. It's we free. Have every it's, app. Oh, it's, it's free. It's free. Is this that you have to sit through a couple of ads, but it's free. Oh shit. Yeah. Okay. There's a lot of good stuff on there, man. There's uh, actually Abel Ferrara's um, Blackout is on there. Never seen that either. Oh, dude, that's a gr- That's my favorite Abel Ferrara film. Really? Yes, hundred percent, hundred percent. Okay, okay. I, I I still might go with the funeral for mine, but I haven't seen a ton of his films. But really, really liked the funeral. I, I've seen all of them except for his newest one that came that, that sort of came out, I guess. Um, I mean, it's out there somewhere. I don't know where you can watch it, but it's it made like a round through uh, festivals, but I don't know if it's been officially released. 
Okay. And uh, the blackout is, it's got Dennis Hopper. It's got Beatrice Dahl is in it. It's got uh, Claudia Schiffer plays in it. Um, okay. Matthew Modine. Oh, wow. Yeah, I remember him. And then like, you know, some of the other regulars from Abel Ferrara's films have like cameos in there as like drug dealers and, you know, creeps and stuff like that. You know, Vincent Gallo. No, no, no. Vince Gallo. Yeah. He doesn't get a lot of repeat business as far as working with directors goes. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Right on. So that's, uh, you know, that's what I've been up to. Nice. And uh, so the movie we're going to talk about today, what are we talking about today, Mike? Let's see. Uh, this is Land of the Dead. The uh, another one of the Romero zombie series, and I think, in my opinion, this is kind of like the third in that. I look at these three as like a trilogy of movies. Oh, like after the night, dawn, yeah. day. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like that's you know, like this is like post. I'm sorry, post trilogy. I didn't mean like part of that trilogy. Like there's that three that kind of encapsulate one phase of the zombie saga. And this is like the post next wave of, of storytelling that's after that. Interesting. I kind of see it as this fits more with the original three than with the two that came after land of the dead, which would be diary and survival. We'll get to this, but I'll tell you why I don't <laughs> see it, but yeah. Okay. All right. Right on. Yeah, so this uh, this came out um, a couple couple of release dates here. There's June eighteenth, two thousand five, at Cine Vegas, which is a festival. June twenty fourth, two thousand five, in the U S. and Canada, and then August tenth, two thousand five, in France. Okay. The French had their own release date for this. Sure. They probably. I'm sure there was like some sort of complaining involved, and. <laughs> And they got their own release, special release date in France. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> yeah. uh, written and directed by George A. Romero, the, uh, the, the, the maestro of zombie fiction. And uh, this is uh, a film where Greg Nicotero did the zombie effects. In it. And we all know him as he's kind of the maestro of zombie special effects, in my opinion. Yeah, at this point, for sure. I mean, I, I think The Walking Dead really put him into the stratosphere. I mean, he was a known guy before that, but now he's a household name. Yeah. And the zombies in this uh, film have that Nicotero look to them. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, the, the practical effects in this are very, are very good. Pretty good uh, uh, cast in this one, too. You know, we got yes. uh, Dennis Hopper. As uh, Paul Kaufman, Azia Argento is Slack. <laughs> cool name, right? Yeah, there's some funny names in this. Yeah, uh, we've got um, well, Big Daddy Zombie is like kind of like he's kind of a star, I guess, in this too, and that's uh, played by Eugene Clark. We have uh, John Leguizamo. What the fuck is his name in this? Let's see. Cholo. Cholo. Yeah, not you know. Not not too on the nose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like calling what your character like tough guy or something. Yeah. Simon it's Simon Baker as Riley Denbo, and that's uh, yeah. you know essentially that's like the main players in this, right? Uh, Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright are are also ha are in this film. 
there's like a there are photo booth zombies. So there's kind of like yeah. you know, a little Tom Savini as Blades, the machete zombie. And Greg yes. Nicotero himself is in this as Bridgekeeper zombie. Oh, okay. Yeah. He was also in the Day of the Dead, which yeah. I didn't know that until listening to you guys' podcast. Yeah. You and Mike. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this, this is a uh, top shelf production. Yeah, um, I think this uh, the success of uh, the Dawn of the Dead remake and the resurgence of zombies uh, in pop culture made this possible because, I mean, we went a whole uh, 20 years without a Romero zombie movie. Yeah. This is 97 minutes long. This cut that I watched, actually. I don't know if this is uh, the 97 minutes. I have another cut of this film, which is actually a little bit longer than that. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. Which version you watched? I, this I did not for this for the purposes of this document of this documentary, this uh, episode. <laughs> I did not watch the director's cut. I watched the more of the theatrical cut. Okay, I okay. feel like that um, one's the one that's more readily available for people. I watched the director's cut. Um, the, the difference with, between those is there's some more lingering scenes of uh, carnage. I think. Yeah, I saw this in the theater, which I, 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 I'm pretty sure you did. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, I remember talking about this movie with you back in the day. You know, on uh, on tour, we had a, you know, we we had we talked about it for for a minute. Yeah. Um, the director's cut didn't. Uh, I mean, I don't think I, I. I mean, I must have watched it because I went through my DVDs and you know it was unwrapped. So I, I guess I watched it at some point, but uh. Rewatching it, I was like, this doesn't seem that much different than the theatrical theatrical cut, other than one scene, which I was like, I don't remember this being in a theatrical cut, although it could just be bad memory. Um, there's a scene where it's like, it kind of reminds you that you don't need to get bitten to be a zombie. You, you just have to die. Yeah, yeah, that that's in the director's cut. Yeah, it's not in the theatrical cut then, right? No, and there's also some of the uh, scenes of there's more a little bit more gore in the in the director's cut too. Yeah, yeah, I remember. It. I was like, this is definitely gorier than I remember it. But and it's funny because when you watch the director's cut, it's almost like you're like, okay, I got it. You know what I mean? Like those scenes yeah. were cut just to make the uh, the whole story tighter. You know? Yeah, which. Uh... <laughs> This will probably come up later. I don't know if tight would be a good way to make a movie like this. There's there's a a lot going on with this movie. There's a lot of balls in the air. Um, you have a lot of different plots happening. Uh, it, this felt like it was meant to be some sort of like two hour epic at least. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But at at the heart of it, the main storyline is uh, I would say is really between uh, Cholo. And uh, and kind of Paul Kaufman, the uh, that's kind of like what pushes the whole story forward, really. And um, yeah, yeah, um, for sure. Uh, well, Mike, the reason I wanted to cover this is, uh, you know, th it keeps coming up that like time, time can be really good to horror movies. You know, there's something that's was kind of shit on and panned when it comes out. You know, Ten years later, it's considered a classic. And when Land of the Dead came out, like I said, this was the height of, of zombie popularity. I think you know, the Walking Dead comic book was definitely in full swing. Right. I don't think the show was yet. No, no, the show didn't happen until a few years after that. Right. Uh, it was the height of my 
zombie fandom. Like I was really, really into the Romero stuff and anything zombie related. And I kind of remember this movie landing with a thud. Yes. Uh, It did with me first watch uh, in the theater. I thought, well, yeah, that was a zombie movie. (laughs) Um, So now it's been, uh, you know, almost another 20 years. It's been uh, 18 years or something. Uh, I was curious to take a look at this now and seeing it with uh, modern eyes, maybe like uh, has it aged well? People view this differently, so uh, that was the main reason I, I kind of wanted to get into it. And and it's been about 15 years since I've seen this, so yeah. I mean, this came out a year after uh, the the Dawn of the Dead remake came out. I think somewhere like right. it's shortly after the Dawn of the Dead remake came out. This came out, and I was like all about the Dawn of the Dead remake. I loved it. Yeah, yeah, it's still Zack Snyder's best movie. I agree. I agree. I did not like this movie at first viewing. You know, mm. I was like, yeah, it's like, I just expected more out of Romero. But as time, yeah. as time went on, I kind of thought about, you know, yes, Romero is the, the creator of the modern zombie. You know, that that's, there, there's no arguing that. Like, that's back in 1968 when he did Night of the Living Dead. That was the first version, the first time you saw zombies like that. Right, yes. But primarily, he uses the uh, the medium as a way to kind of make commentary on society. You know, yeah. be it consumerism, like racism. And in this movie, it really is kind of like uh, a commentary on, on class. Yeah, um, and that's one of the flaws of the movie, in, in my opinion. Uh, it's definitely worthy of Romero's treatment. I just think it is, in this scenario, it's kind of ridiculous. And I think some, like Romero was like, well, these zombie movies have got to be about something else. And it, 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 it isn't given the thought it deserves in this, I think. I, I think it's like very heavy handed and the um, yeah. the characters are just basically, you know, uh, cutouts of idealized characters, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, and the movie just tries to uh, like I haven't written down. This movie is flawed on a conceptual level. Like I think it needed to really be rethought to be a really good movie. Because, like you said, it's it's about class. Um, I, George Romero's zombie movies are sequels, I think, in name only. They, but they kind of each exist in their own little uh, stratosphere. Would you say that? I mean, there's no direct references to any of the other characters or movies in, in this. No, but there is one element from, from uh, Day of the Dead that seems to carry over into Land of the Dead. And, uh, oh really? Yeah, it's it's they kind of hinted at Bub in Land of the Dead. I'm sorry, Day of the Dead, having some rudimentary intelligence. Yes. Right, and that idea is uh, developed more in Land of the Dead. Slightly more developed, yeah. <laughs> no, but um, I mean, it's they're not just like these mindless, uh, you know, eating machines, you know. Right. So that that is like one thing that carries over, I think, between movies. 
you know. That's true. And you have Tom Savini's, uh, I guess, character from Dawn of the Dead uh, as a zombie in this. That's I, I took that more as like a wink, wink to, to the fans. Yeah. Yeah. That was like some fan service for sure. For sure. Yeah. But uh, conceptually, I mean, basically the movie is about, in Romero's words back then, I remember he's like, this movie's about ignoring the problem. The problem is zombies. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> And uh, so, yeah, they this, like they set up this society based around money. There's a class system. You have the ultra rich with Kaufman, uh, Dennis Hopper's character at the top. He's got his minions, uh, and then there are the slums. And it, right off the bat, I gotta say, that idea of money in this world having any value is completely absurd. Yes, unless everyone buys into that idea, you know what I mean? It's like, like I, I, I you know, I thought I, I think about that about um, trading in like uh, this kind of post-apocalyptic world where mm-hmm. all it would take, and and humans do this. This is part of human nature is to just sort of like agree and follow people, you know. So if everyone agrees that money has value, then it has value. You know, sure. And I think that in a, in a post-apocalyptic society, you know, I know now and nowadays everyone wants anarchy and revolution, you know, anarchy, you know, I want to like have a civil war and all this stuff. And, you know, yeah. but the reality is people want order, you know, they don't want anarchy. So in a world like this where, you know, you're actually being torn apart by the walking dead, I think that, uh, order is something that people would gravitate towards you know and that's when someone exploits can is open to be exploited you know and i think you know the kaufman character steps in and you know he's like the you know the upper elite middle class you know that's like being kind to the to the plot like in reality i don't think there would ever a caste system like this would ever really develop but that's that's just food for thought i guess going into this movie yeah, I guess so. Like, you know, they're not, this society isn't actually producing or making anything because it shows, I mean, Riley and Cholo, their job is to go out and scavenge. At least that's what I gathered. Yeah, yeah. They go and, out at night and, and forage stuff, you know. Yeah, which kind of made me laugh because they're like looting a liquor store and it's fully stocked. <laughs> like, what? Well, I was on the same page because part of me was like, how long would it take to completely empty out everything in the area, you know? A few days. Yeah, two days with that many people. There's like a full society like living in this uh, this city. Yeah, and like there's a shopping mall in there, and and every but like everything must have been you know scavenged. You know, just leading more to the point, like this this money system is just kind of uh, it, it just really I, I was like this is a, absurd, but well you know for the purposes of the movie we'll we'll go with it. Why not? Um, so that is the main focus of the movie, this, this conflict between Kaufman, Cholo, Riley, but you have a lot of other things going on, uh, going on too. Like, um, the zombies are getting smart. Well, one zombie in particular is getting smart. And you also have this sub subplot of a resistance 
uh, I forget the guy's name. You think he's supposed to be like Irish and yeah. he has some like, like stereotypical Irish name or something like O'Houlihan or something. Yeah. Uh, I can't, I can't quite remember. Um, so that's a lot going on for a 95 minute movie. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree with you. There, there is a lot, a lot of subplots. Um, you know, but, but like I said, I think the, the main storyline is pretty, pretty straightforward. You know, as far as uh, John Leguizamo's character, Cholo, you know, he, he's been saving his money, you know, quote unquote money, whatever that means. And he, yeah. he figures um, that he's going to buy his way out of his lower class uh, status. You know, he's mm. him and Denbo are um, these uh, guys who go out into the night, into the surrounding areas, collect stuff, you know and bring it back to the society. Um, so he's on the side. He's been working for Kaufman, like taking care of his business. You know what I mean? Like on, on like, he's like an arm in his hydra of activity, you know? Yeah. It does his dirty work. Does his dirty work. Yeah. So, uh, we, we see Cholo approach Kaufman and he's like, yeah, you know, I think, uh, you know, I'm going to, I want to move into the upper class here. You know, I'm going to have money. And he's like, oh, you know, it's a closed society here. You know, we have to, there's a waiting list. He's like all, all the bullshit ideas and excuses that you would expect out of like some rich scumbag, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, let's uh, talk a little bit about the characters. Cholo is leaps and bounds ahead of everyone else in this, as far as a good character. Um, and I really think most of that is due to John Leguizamo being one of the most charismatic actors well, I'm, I'm a huge John Leguizamo fan. I, I, he's great. You know, whenever I see him in a movie, I'm like, all right, I, I at least got to watch this because I know that he's going to be good, you know? Yeah, and he's great in, in, in this. And Cholo is a little, you know, like everyone else, is a little underwritten and one-dimensional. But John Leguizamo really gives life to this character. He's kind of a bad guy. He's really only looking out for himself, but he makes him immensely likable, even though like he's basically his, once he gets rejected by Kaufman, he's just like, well, I'm taking this war machine. We have dead reckoning and I'm going to, you know, <laughs> blow up your city. If you don't let me in, he's kind of the bad guy. <laughs> no, he's definitely, well, well him, he's, everyone's a bad guy except for Denbo really, you know, like, like Kaufman's a bad guy. Cause he's like this overlord. And, uh, Cholo's a bad guy because he's, you know, like this renegade, guy who's going to threaten to destroy the city unless he gets what he wants. And what he wants is really just this self-serving end that he has, you know? Yeah, exactly. But yeah, yeah, he makes him like, I was rooting for Cholo throughout this whole movie. Yeah, definitely. And, and, uh, Riley, I think Riley is, is he's supposed to be like the conscious of the movie and his dialogue made me wince throughout the whole thing. You know, he's like spouting all these lines, like, are those gates keeping them out or keeping us in? <laughs> I'm like, what sub Sylvia Plath kind of bullshit is, is, yeah. is this, man? Like, it's so bad, you know, like, that didn't happen to me, it happened to my brother. You know, everything. Oh, and he's like, said, nothing, nothing bad's ever happened to me or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and uh, yeah, I, I, the actor, I mean, I, I know he's on some hit TV show or was, and he's probably a fine actor, but he brings nothing. Riley is a big nothing of a character. 
Uh, I didn't care about him at all. And and Ozzy Argento is in the movie just because she's Ozzy Argento, and we want to see her run around in a skimpy outfit and like kick people and stuff, you know. Yeah, that's one thing I have written down. Why is she in this? Like, her character adds nothing to the movie whatsoever. Nothing. She probably was uh, like George. I want to be in your next movie. <laughs> and he's like, fine, yeah, making a movie about zombies. About <laughs> um, zombies. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I can just imagine him chain smoking and pounding black coffee throughout this whole fucking production. Um, but yeah, I mean, she's, I, I, I you know, she's a, a competent actress for sure, and a filmmaker in her, own, in her own right. And you know, it's not her fault that this is a kind of like a, a nothing character. But I mean. There's a lot of characters in this movie already. Yeah, there uh, are. A lot, a lot of like smaller parts. And I just thought, like, okay, like, take her out of it. What changes about this movie? And it, nothing. Nothing changes. Well, even even I heard, I, even Denbo's uh, sidekick there, the guy with his face is all burned up, like that dude. Whatever, yeah, whatever yeah. <laughs> that guy's like kind of unnecessary, really. You know? Yeah, he's sort of like Riley's. I mean, he acts as sort of like a bodyguard, like uh, almost like this like samurai thing where like Riley saves his life and now he's indebted to him yeah. forever. So he's like, you know, Riley's fucking right hand man. Yeah, it's it's not it's not a you know, uh, he's is he supposed to be slow or something? Did you did you get that? Yeah. You know, yes, I, I would say that he's a little uh, challenged. You know, and, yeah. as well as being uh, disfigured from some accident that he had. Yeah, and they kind of use it as like a fake uh, fake out in the beginning of the movie. Like, oh, no, here comes a zombie. Oh, no, it's a, he's not a zombie. He's, he's Riley's right-hand man. But it's interesting that you, you mentioned this, the uh, samurai thing because it does have that that uh, that Japanese sort of vibe, like his character where, where he's kind of like the, um, you know, like in a lot of like like martial arts and like uh samurai movies mm -hmm. like the main character has this kind of um slightly lower you know like a little diminished uh sidekick who's also gives some sort of um comic relief to the situation a little bit yeah i think yeah because he makes little quips here and there to i guess relieve what little little tension there is in in the movie yeah and there's, um, it, we're still like, since this came out in like 2005, we're in that kind of uh, the tail end or maybe the post one liner era of filmmaking, you know? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. Like, um, you know, this definitely has an old school vibe to it. You know, I think Romero was pushing 70 when he made this. Yeah. Probably. And, uh, you know, it just has that feel like an older guy wrote it. You know, you have characters named like Cholo and <laughs> Stacked, and you know, it just kind of has like an old-fashioned kind of vibe to it. And um, you know, Dennis Hopper, the great, the great Dennis Hopper, is uh, yeah, he's the big bad in this. Uh, it's a subtle and over-the-top performance at the same time. Like he, again, <laughs> totally, I know exactly. Piece. I know exactly yeah. what you mean by that. Yes, it's a subtle yeah. and over the top at the same time. Yeah, yeah, it was very cartoonish and on the. I mean, also remember this was made during the Bush era, 
and uh, you, you have Dennis Hopper's character saying things like, we don't negotiate with terrorists. Uh, very on the nose. Uh, which is fine, but you know what it was funny to me is I got serious Trump vibes from from Dennis Hopper in this. Well, I mean, back then, Trump was probably a Democrat. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he was also just like some joke that everyone made fun of in New York City, you know? Yeah, yeah, true. But, you know, he had like the red tie and he has the same sort of like dour demeanor. Was, that, Trump. was the red tie always something that Trump relied on i don't remember i that. don't know i don't know but like it, it's funny that like you can watch this movie now and see you know um is to see some uh common thread with uh t today's society you know so yeah you see he, he he got some things right with this and uh we gotta talk about dennis hopper has a servant in this movie <laughs> a butler whatever you want to call him and i mean wow well, it's like it's like you said. This is an old school film, you know. Yeah. Back like in Romero's day, it was fine to use like broad stereotypes like that. Sure. Um, so uh, yes, Dennis Hopper has a black uh, butler, we'll say, who's dressed in this outlandish '30s-ish sort of butler outfit, and I have to. I have to imagine that even in 2005, this made people cringe a little bit. Maybe. You know, I, I don't I, think, I think back in 2005, people were still, uh, you know, they weren't so so sensitive to things like that, maybe. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely didn't age well. And I, 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 I have to imagine at the time, like it was still like, uh, you can tell Romero's trying to say something with it. I don't think he's like trying to offend anyone or thinking like, yeah, this is hilarious. He's definitely trying to say something. I just, you know, yeah, got, I mean, got a little lost there. I mean, he's definitely painting a picture for Kaufman to be like, you know, this like elite, like upper class, like scumbag, you know, guy who bends the rules, who clearly yeah. has uh, opinions about race. Cause actually I think he's even, uh, one of the reasons why uh, Cholo is not welcome in that society is that he's a you know, Latin guy, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for, for sure. And um, we mentioned before uh, things that could be exercised for this movie, Asia Argento. Uh, the whole resistance subplot, I feel like there must have been a version of this script that had that more fleshed out and important to the story because you have this this guy, this Irish guy, who's sort of the rebel rouser of the slums, because <laughs> kind of <laughs> you kind of forget about him. At all, you know what I mean? Like there's you totally forget about him. They establish him in the beginning, and then he comes back at the end, and I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? You know, like yeah, oh, he's right. got like an M16. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah. Oh, he's in jail with Riley too, so he's in the beginning, middle, and end. Um, but and that's it. Like it, again, it's it, it's very. There is kernels of a great movie in here. There's some great ideas happening. It just doesn't really spend enough time on, on any of it. Okay, like the, the why is the the big daddy zombie so smart? He doesn't act like a zombie. I thought he was at all. Like you know, even a smart zombie would just be that, like a smart zombie. In Day of the Dead, Bub needs to be taught. Like you learn, oh, they can 
zombies can learn. They can be taught things. But Big Daddy, he's he's sort of been out in the wild, and yet he he becomes the leader of this zombie resistance. Yeah, that's never really exp- explained at all. It just sort of arises from the primordial muck of uh, of zombiedom, you know. Yeah, and it, it sort of uh, lowers the stakes of Cholo's arc. Like Cholo's going to blow up the city if he doesn't get his way, but. It's a mute point, uh, a point because well, the zombies came and like overran the city anyway. Uh, it, it kind of goes back to that. Well, I think every zombie movie ends with the zombies getting in. You know, and uh, to me, this would have been more interesting if it was you know you focus more on the resistance and them sort of tearing everything down, or maybe Cholo does you know like. You know, he has a moment like, should I do this? Should I not do that? Uh, or maybe he does blow up the city. I, I don't know anything but like, okay, zombies come and they, you know, tear shit up. The end. I would have left uh, Aja Argento in the movie and I would have did away with the resistance. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And I would have focused mostly on just, I would have made the primary narrative Cholo versus uh, Kaufman. Yeah, and, you know, also, like, Riley and Cholo, you get the sense that they're maybe not friends, but there's a respect. They, they, they work together. They have different ideas about how to do that. To me, it was, like, that. There, there's an interesting idea, too. Like, to get what Riley, to get what he wants, has to make a deal with Kaufman to, to yeah. take Cholo out of the picture. Right. Everyone's double and triple crossing everyone. In this and that, that's, in, that's, that's the story right there. You know what I mean? Like, I think that, yeah. uh, and that's why you need Aji Argento because, you know, Riley finds her when she's in this like cage, you know, fighting the zombies. Oh and, God. Yeah. And he springs her from there and then he shoots that, that midget gets killed. Right. And then, <laughs> <laughs> I completely forgot. Oh my God. That scene, like speaking of absurd, that whole concept of, of that scene was like, what in the fuck? Why would anyone think like getting your picture taken with a zombie? I was like, are there tourists in Land of the Dead? <laughs> that <laughs> the little guy, like even even that is like a total throwback to the eighties. You know, totally, totally, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They wouldn't have that these days. You know what I mean? Like there, there wouldn't be a character like that. No, absolutely not. You wouldn't see Peter Dinklage in this role whatsoever. No, yeah, not yeah. At all, you know. Uh, yeah, that whole idea of like you're trying to protect society, but you have zombie fights and take your picture with a zombie. It, it just rang. It was like, oh, okay, this is like um, a Coney Island or fucking uh, uh, Sunset Street. You know, like I really it felt like I had this like oh, a tourist vibe to it, which. I mean, yeah, I would, yeah, absurd. And anyone out there, just who, who who wants to think that we live in a kinder, gentler world that's uh, free of cruelty and stuff and insensitivity is uh, that's not true. You mentioned Coney Island, like just a couple of years ago, they had that that thing out there where there's like uh, like shoot the geek or something like that. Where really? Uh, yeah, there was like this. A band, like a vacant lot between these two buildings on Coney Island, and you could go down there, and some dude runs around. And you can shoot him with a paintball gun. <laughs> <laughs> that was literally just like maybe three or four years ago. Is when I still lived in Brooklyn. 
Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I remember I, the last time I was there was when the, the day after the last ISIS show. I went up to Brooklyn, Gravesend, Brooklyn, to visit John LaMacchia, hang out and make some music. And we ended up like just <laughs> drinking a bunch and wandering around Coney Island. Uh, it was cool, man. I, I, I liked it in, in a weird sort of like, in a weird sort of way. Coney Island is still awesome, and it's like it really is kind of like this timeless like place. You know what I mean? Real throwback to yeah, like to an era before my time. Yeah, it exists in like a bubble, and you can still see like really weird shit there. So yeah, I guess that makes sense in like Romero's point he's trying to make of ignoring the problem. You know, like here we have this like, you know, we have entertainment for you, but uh, you know, if you're trying to keep people safe, maybe not have like zombie fights and, no, yeah, and definitely uh, not. You know, but but that's yeah. how you know that that's how um, Denbo ends up in a scenario where he needs someone to help him. You know, he busts Slack, you know, out of the cage. They, uh, you know, the midget gets shot, and they they end up <laughs> they, they they end up. We're gonna in, get we're gonna get some emails about this one, they, Mike. <laughs> they, they ended up in um in jail. You know, so that's it. You know, that's that's how now now Denbo has a mission to fulfill, right? Because Kaufman gets him out of jail. Yes. Yeah. And now he's indebted to Kaufman, and yeah, he wants uh, him to track down Cholo and. Dead Reckoning. Dead Reckoning is the name of that, uh, this sort of uh, souped-up truck. Yeah, it's like this death machine, like, battle wagon, you know, that they go out into the field with it, and they, like, you know, blow up shit with it, you know what I mean? And it's like this, uh, you know, and it's, somehow it's Kaufman's, you know. He's the guy who, uh, actually, he took Denbo's design. Right? Don't they indicate that it was actually Denbo's oh, design? That's right. Or, yeah. 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 So, so Denbo has some somewhat of a claim on this thing too. You know. That's right. Yeah, he has a tracking device on. He feels like it's his. Yeah, but Calvin yeah. is the guy with the money and the the means to uh, to have this thing built. So he sees it as his too. See, mm-hmm. that, that's what I mean. You really. That's all you need. Really, is this this little drama between these guys and you got a you got a good story there like you don't need this like resistance you don't need uh you know any kind of like uh uprising or any of that kind of stuff you know yeah or like the the, the smart zombies or like yeah you don't you don't the, even the, need that either either really yeah they're, they're great ideas but I, I just feel like they're underwritten and rushed you're just like here is big daddy he's smart he knows how to use a gun he can teach the zombies to yeah, what do they call them? Sky flowers. They call uh, yeah, um, yeah. They get uh, fireworks they get, to. They get dazzled by the by the fireworks, and that's and yeah. so that's part of their mission when they go out into the field is they shoot off fireworks. It immobilizes the zombies because they get dazzled by it. And they're staring up into the sky, and that's when they go and they they do all their looting and stuff. But then one day, out of the blue, Big Daddy decides that. Why am I looking up at this thing in the sky? <laughs> and like, and then everyone else follows follows suit with that too. All the other zombies. Yeah, he's teaching the other zombies how to use like tools, and uh, then he leads them across the water. <laughs> um, I guess they the the zombies are thought to never be able to cross the river, and 
one day they just do because, um, you know, Big Daddy teaches them. Uh, I Visually, it's cool to see all the zombies come up out of the water. It was a nice visual moment. That's like um, a, a nod to uh, Lucio Fulci, I think, in that part. Yeah. And the other thing, I, like, this is why I kind of feel this fits in more with the original trilogy. This actually looks and feels like a Romero zombie movie. Whereas his later, his last two really didn't. It just felt like a, a director completely tapped out and just, I can just imagine him doing a one take being like, okay, cut. Yeah, sure. That's fine. Moving on. Like it wasn't made with a lot of passion. This still really, really feels like, like George Romero, like wanted to do this and had something to say. And little moments like that are like a nice reminder. Like, oh yeah, there's, you know, it's a good, there's some good comp shot compositions and ideas going on in this. Whereas the last two were just fucking disasters. I'll give you that. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, you know, uh, you got Riley, who has to like basically fuck his friend Cholo, fuck over his friend Cholo. Kaufman has sent people to sort of shadow Riley, um, and you know you get the feeling that Kaufman is going to double cross Riley. Okay, so Riley takes out Cholo. These people take out Riley. Kaufman wins. You know, he gets rid of two of his like two of his headaches. Um, and yeah, one of the guys is like uh, Samoan or something like that. Play another like weirdly stereotypical character that like I guess is supposed to be kind of funny. And his name is Pillsbury too. <laughs> what the fuck? Like, why? Where'd that name come from? I completely missed that. Yeah, and he has like he he delivers this line as like something you'd see in like the fifties. His character is just so cartoonish. Like on my island, we have fifty cars. 50 cars all stolen or something like that. I was yeah. like, Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> wow. Um, so yeah, everyone's sort of double crossing everyone. And while all this is going on, the zombies are planning their takeover and, you know, their perfect little bubble of in fiddlers green gets, gets popped and, uh, you know, they get through and um, all hell breaks loose. Like you see in pretty much every zombie movie. Um, yeah, and there's always like the scene where some dude gets ripped apart, you know, <laughs> like yeah, his intestines get pulled out and all that, you know. Yeah, and on that level, I got you know what? This is also the first time I think I remember really noticing bad digital effects. Oh um, yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, like I, I feel. I mean, I know they were starting to become a thing, but to see it in like a big bigger budget Hollywood movie, you know, like the, 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 the digital blood or like there's one zombie that appears headless and then you kind of like his head comes back on or whatever. He like flicks it forward and it just looked really cringy even back then. Yeah. That looked really bad. I thought too. Yeah. But other than that, I mean, uh, the effects are great. Some of the kills are great. Yeah. You have like the guy, like you said, getting torn apart. You have a guy like this in Fury. You have like a skateboarding kid with like his headphones on. I was thinking the <laughs> same thing, man. I'm like, I would like, not have headphones on in a scenario like that. Yeah, you, yeah, exactly. People just are constantly doing stupid shit like that. Um, and you know, my, you, you said something to me 
uh, however many years ago we talked about this movie about the like Riley's line where like you know they they get dead reckoning and um they have a chance to like blow up all the zombies he's like no they're just trying to find a place just like us <laughs> and I remember do you remember what you said you were to me about that I don't remember what I said back then you were like. That that was like your big problem with the movie back then. You're like, I would have fucking obliterated those things. Like, what is he talking about? <laughs> no, that okay. I feel the same way then. Yes. Yeah. Like again, like I think that character needs like there, there seems to be some sort of interesting backstory with, with uh, Mr. Denbo that that we just don't get. You know, he he. He doesn't want to be a part of this society. His big thing is, I want to go where there's no one. Oh, uh, okay, <laughs> uh, sure. And he has sort of a, a, a chip on his shoulder of, uh, with everything, but you never, you never really get a really good sense of, of of who he is. Not like that's one thing about the the original three Romero zombie movies is is the characters are believable and somewhat relatable. You get a sense of who they are, who they were before this. It, it, you don't with, with Riley. He's just de dead weight on screen. Like it, it's, it's not a good character. It could be, but it's just not written. Um, the writing is just not there. I agree with that. It's you're just supposed to take it for take it as in in stride that something horrible happened in his life that made him that way. But like some kind of character development would have been due, I think, for for to flesh it out more. Yeah, like I, I would say the, the the main character should have been Cholo and focused more on him and less on on De and Riley Dembo. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. have him be the secondary characters. Cholo is, is far more interesting, far more charismatic performance from John Leguizamo. Um, he's probably ad libbing a lot. He's, he's known for like you know improv and being quick. Uh, it just made him such a such a better character. Um, more stakes like uh this guy really wanted something and was denied it and riley is just sort of this whiny teenager like i don't want to be around people people suck yeah uh, they don't really they don't spend a lot of time on the double the initial double cross that kaufman meets out onto uh cholo you know what i mean they kind of just all right he double crossed him and now he's getting revenge or holding you know what i mean like or, or trying to hold the city for ransom, but they don't really play that up as much, you know, and, and yeah. Yeah, like, it's sort of a mess. It, it, it's a confident movie, but it's also very messy, and uh, I, I think that's Romero's problem, is he thinks big and then really has to scale it back, because I think you guys mentioned this on the Day of the Dead episode, Romero really was planning something big and epic with that. And I, I think they're like the budget for, for what he wanted was, you know, obscene for the time, probably like 40, 50 million or something. Right. I can't, I can't remember. And it forced him to scale back, which you brought this up was a good thing. Like the movie he ended up making was fantastic, but it's not what he originally intended for day of the dead. Well, I guess that's like what uh, my like I uh, in the today is in today's world watching this movie again. I like it better than I did back then. Okay, but Romero works better in these like claustrophobic environments. 
Yes. You know, and this is definitely not a claustrophobic film. No, it's the most out in the world uh, movie he's made. Yeah, you have the, the first one's a house, second one's a mall, third one's a bunker, and here this is like a sort of contained city. Yeah, and and, they, and, they, and then but they also go out out into the world. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, that's this dead right. Originally, I think Dead Reckoning was the original title for this. I think that's what Romero wanted to call this movie. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I, but I can assume like that, that's a studio note, like, oh, of the dead is popular right now. We need to tie this into your your past or in the uh, remake and everything like that. I, I could be mistaken, but I remember like for years Romero saying he was working on something called Dead Reckoning. I, yeah, I think you're right about that, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so has time been kind to this movie? Uh, I would say yes. Well, for me, I like it more than I did back in uh, when I saw it, you know, back in 2005 or whatever, because uh, I, I didn't like the, the comedic notes in the film necessarily. Yeah. Um, although, like, if you look back, all Romero's movies do have a bit of comedy in them. We just probably interpret it differently than, than when we originally saw them as we do you know, now. Well, Night of the Living Dead, I would say, does not have any comedic elements in that. That's true. Yeah, that's, that's just a pretty fucking bleak yeah. darkness, you know? Yeah. Well, Day of the Dead is even bleaker, but there are sort of humorous moments. Bub is a little humorous at times, you know, saluting. <laughs> yeah. Shit like that. It's, it's kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, this is, yeah. You know, but there, there's parts, there's like things where, uh, it's not as broad as Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, but right. I look at this as like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 of the Dead series for uh, Romero, you know? Sure. It's a little bit more tongue-in-cheek. It's very much winking at the audience. Like I said, we have uh, Tom Savini, I guess, coming back as a machete zombie. <laughs> uh, you have... Um, uh, Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright from Shaun, the great Shaun of the Dead. Who yeah. Love that movie. Uh, you know, that's obviously a wink and a nod. Like, I, you know, it, it's very self-referential and aware of itself in that regard. I, I would agree with you that, yeah, this is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 of Romero's zombie movie. That's a great way to put it. Well, when, when did uh, Shaun of the Dead come out? Come I, out it did because, uh, yeah, I was living in North Carolina when that came out and I was living in New York when land of the dead came out. So yeah, I would say 2003, 2004, Shaun of the dead came out. Wow. I didn't think it was that old. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. That's a, that's a great one, man. That, that was a really fucking solid movie. Uh, a, a true classic. If you ask me. Someone gets ripped apart in that movie too. Yeah. You know, for a comedy, it's pretty fucking gory and, and grim. But it, it's like that. There's always that scene though, where the guy's on his back and there's like, yeah. like all these zombies and they just tear him apart, you know. And there's like yeah. intestines and stuff coming out, you know. <laughs> you have to have that in every zombie movie. Yeah, this movie, like you know what, that movie, this movie, Land of the Dead, is kind of missing that element, that disturbing bleakness that is present in in his other zombie movies. Uh, there's not a lot of 
weight to any of the characters' deaths. I mean, most of the characters live. Yeah, well, yeah, you know. I mean, yeah. we, it was perceived that Cholo and Kaufman are bad guys and they get they get their uh, their comeuppance in this. Yeah, and like, you know, Cholo dies sort of like a noble death. He wants to like end end this guy Kaufman and he becomes a zombie that still remembers how to use his crossbow for for right. some reason, still remembers his vendetta, but like Kaufman doesn't get a good death. You know, not like, you know, Rhodes or or, or the other characters you you know and love from the original trilogy. He just blows up. You know, and like a guy like Hoffman, you know, he's the big bad. He's the one you're supposed to hate. And he just, he sort of gets dispatched rather like, yeah, he's gone. Right. You know, like it would have been great to see him get like a good, getting his fucking head eaten or something, you know, anything. Well, that that's what I was, yeah, he would have been the guy that should have gotten torn apart by the gang of zombies, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like if you're going to like, like go to that well of tropes that you so often do, go to that one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, watching it, you know, in, in 2023, uh, it's been almost 20 years since this came out. And there is a bit of nostalgia with that, with, with this uh, shot on film. It looks a bit older. Like it, it's made with some level of, uh, of passion. It doesn't hold a candle to the original trilogy. But it is leaps and bounds better than what Romero produced after. So, yeah, I not a classic, but still not not terrible. So, what do you give it as a numerical grade? I'm going to give it uh, a three and a half, mostly. Uh, because I like John Leguizamo's character in this a lot, and he, he brought a lot to the table. Um, and the fact that, you know, I, I feel like this is Romero's really last solid go as a, as a director, unfortunately. What about that. you? I, I have a three down for my score. and uh, But you yeah. know, keep, keep in mind, if you would ask me back when this came out what I would have gave it, I would have gave it like a two or something like that probably. Same exact thing. Yeah, I was like, this is like a C plus at best. But uh, now I've upped it to like a, a solid B. It's it's fine. Not what I wanted at the time, but uh, now like, you know, watching it now. And it's like, yeah, it's it's okay. It's got a lot of problems, but it's – it's fairly entertaining. Goes down easy. You don't really think about it too much after the fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess it didn't stick around very much, you know, with me. You know, what I mean, it's not this thing that I, I don't even think about this movie really. Unless, I mean, you brought this up, and I was like, huh, I barely ever think about that. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I wouldn't have thought about it until I heard your Day of the Dead episode, and I was like, you know what? No one ever really remembers Land of the Dead. Maybe we should talk about it. <laughs> Are we going to do the other two? <laughs> oh god you know i saw those two in the theater as well and they didn't even play in the theater <laughs> um uh, our, our mutual friend jay bennett was uh he he got um um what do you call it um screening invites because he reviewed movies for magazines sometimes yes so i got to go see diary of the dead and survival of the dead at like a press screening in this somewhere in beverly hills you have this swank private theater 
that looked like just a really, really nice home home theater. And I saw this those two movies on with the best Christmas sound and great screen and I was like, man, what a fucking waste. <laughs> I wish I was seeing something like really great instead of watching this piece of shit. I don't even um, think I don't know if I saw the uh survival of the dead. It's it's bad. It's you know how whenever I'm watching the original trilogy, whichever one I'm currently watching, I'm like, this is the best one. With those two movies, I'm like, no, this one's the worst one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, 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 I honestly couldn't answer that because I'm like, I would when I told you, like, if I was just watching Diary of the Dead, I'd be like, yeah, this is terrible. This is the worst one. And then if I watch Survival of the Dead right after, it's no. It's definitely this one. Diary was the found footage one, right? Yeah, which kind of like was a cool idea at the time. Found footage wasn't new, but it wasn't so much a dime a dozen back then. And like, oh, Romero doing a zombie found footage movie. That really, that sounded interesting. And um, man, it's just bad. It just seemed like a director completely out of touch. Not really like understanding what makes found footage work. Uh, it doesn't work at all. It's it, it's it's really bad. And and survival is a scripted like it's like a very um, it's like a regular movie, right? Yeah, I. I oh wait, no, I, I remember. Did see it. Yeah, I saw, I'm just looking at the IMDb right now. Yeah, yeah, it's got like a Hatfield and McCoy kind of thing happening. Yeah, with like yeah, these yeah. rival fan. Yeah, it's. I don't remember anything. I couldn't tell you one character. Or any death, or like, I—it's so forgettable. Yeah, I, I barely remember seeing it, but I now, now looking at the IMDb, I definitely saw it. You know what it felt like, like the the movie you were talking about at the beginning, Day of the, the Day of the Dead thing, Reams <laughs> Day of the Dead. I didn't see that, but I imagine like that's the the kind of vibe I was getting. Like it felt like a sci-fi TV production. Like even the acting in in uh, that Day of the Dead is so bad. Like you don't you don't ever once believe you're actually seeing the characters themselves. You're seeing actors the whole time. You know what I'm trying to say? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's, that's how bad it is. You know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what? I, uh, maybe one day I'm not feeling well. I'm gonna throw that on. <laughs> I'm gonna save the save that for for a day like that. As a completist, I felt compelled to watch it, you know, and um, now, I, now I've seen it, you know. <laughs> yeah, you did it, man. <laughs> for better or for worse, I've seen it. Well, I think that, I, th I think we got this uh, Land of the Dead covered. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm glad right we on. did it. it was, yeah. yeah, it's fun. And uh, let us know what you guys think listening. Um, always curious to hear other people's uh, opinions. And, you know, Mike, you and I don't do a lot of older movies. We usually stick to the the new stuff, so it's kind of fun to go back and revisit something that was not quite a classic. Yeah. You know, have have you seen Infinity Pool yet? Mm. No, I haven't. I forgot. Like, it's uh, it's available to buy digitally, not rent. It'll be out um, on some streaming service pretty soon, I think. Yeah, sure. We got to do that. And uh, I saw Cabin... Not cabin in the woods. Oh, cat knock at the cabin. Yeah, that's a that's another one. We, uh, I, I gotta watch. I can't pull the trigger on that one, man. I don't know. There, I know, 
Ah, dude, I, tonight would be the perfect night to go see it because I got nothing to do tonight. It's Friday. Yeah. And, and it, it's yeah. streaming. Oh, it's streaming. Yeah. I, I think same thing. I think I, maybe you, you can, can rent, rent it, it, but all right. I think I'm not, don't hold me to that. I know it is streaming though. Okay. All right. Part of me is like, I had, I had plans. I have, there's options to stuff to do tonight. And, uh, one of the things I want to go to is I can't go to it now because it's sold out. And then uh, the other thing is like, I don't really feel like doing the other thing. <laughs> and then, <laughs> so going to the, going to the movies is like, cool. I can go to that 10 o'clock show and hopefully, you know, at this point I think no one's going to be there. And yeah, you're the king of the 10 o'clock shows. Dude, I love it, man. Except for Skinamarink. It was like, I was like super creeped out after the, at the ten o'clock show for Skinnerink. I I do the opposite thing when I go to the movies. I go to like the nine fifty five a.m. shows. Yeah, for me that's tough though, unless it's like the weekend, you know. Yeah. And uh, uh, I, I like going at night. I like going when the mall. It's at a mall, which is like funny, you know, this theater. Yeah. And yeah, the mall closes at ten, so the the movie theater is like the access for it is on the second floor and it has like its own entrance from outside the mall. So I park in the parking garage and I walk over there and, you know, do the, th do my thing. But then at Skinamarink though, I, I was so freaked out after that movie that I was like, actually I had all this anxiety about walking in my car. Really? Isn't that fucking funny? Yeah, no, I, I can see it. Yeah. I, I, uh, and I couldn't I sleep that after night. I, saw it. Yeah, I, I couldn't same. sleep that night when I got home. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that that really uh, movie gets under your under your skin if, if you let it. I know that when I go see Cabin in the in the yeah, there you go, uh, knock at the cabin. <laughs> I know I'm going to be disappointed. I just know it. So that's why part of me is like I shouldn't see it in the theater. I should watch it at home. Yeah, um, I haven't been to the theater in so goddamn long. I know. Uh, I think we're we're, uh, we're definitely going to go see the new Ari Aster movie in the theater. Although uh, I can't say the trailer looks promising, but uh, we'll see. Hard pass for me, man. I don't know. <laughs> you know. You're not on the Ari Aster train. I forgot. Nah, I not really. I mean, maybe I'm not. I haven't written Ari Aster off, but this new one, I know that's just not my kind of thing, really. Yeah, definitely getting. Uh, Oh God! What's that guy's name? He makes Connect the Key New York, and he wrote uh, Being John Malkovich, and uh, Oh yeah, adaptation. What is his name? Anyway, I'm getting that kind of vibe yeah. from it. There, there's another forthcoming movie that looks really interesting called Ennis Maine, and Ooh. it's um, I saw the trailer for it at Skinamarink actually, and it's uh, yeah, it's one of those like kind of a uh, experimental but maybe not to the extent that uh that skinamarink is but it has like this british folk thing going on right um, it looks like it's going to be this kind of like meditative non-linear story sort of thing and mm. uh, the appearance of it is has this like it looks like it was filmed in the 70s kind of oh right on yeah cool. and i remember i was the, the next day I saw the trailer, I was I texted the Rennie about it, and I was like, 
I was like, oh yeah, man, I saw this trailer. It looks cool. He's like, oh, that movie's finally coming out. Like, cause he's known about it for like fucking years, apparently. Oh wow! <laughs> I was like, <laughs> of course, you know. That guy. So I was like, yeah. He's like, yeah, it looks intriguing. Apparently, it's available to pre-order already on a Blu-ray on some European uh, website. Okay, yeah. and you know what? Uh, I still got to watch the Outwaters. Yeah. <laughs> did you see it? I did. Oh, well, uh, save your thoughts then. <laughs> <laughs> it's on. Uh, I watched it on Screenbox, which I'm going to be. Uh, I'm going to be canceling that that subscription uh, soon. Well, I think I know how you felt about it. Um, yeah. I'll t- I'll text you later tonight because yeah, I think I'm. I uh, I uh, I'm, I've been trying to watch it for a while, but um, uh, you know, my girlfriend and I like to watch movies together, and I've been trying to. Get- like let's watch this and she's like you know i don't know if i want to sit through another two hour like <laughs> head trip <laughs> contemplative yeah. like horror movie with you well i i got Screenbox to see uh history of the occult mm. it's a spanish horror film it's like this lovecraftian it it sounds like it's a documentary but it's not it's like a yeah you were talking about this that was very very good so I hung on to the subscription because I saw that uh, the Outwaters is, is exclusive on that. And I missed it in the theater, which is probably good because I'm, I would have been bummed if I paid like $18 to see that movie. That's so. a ringing endorsement from Mike Hill, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> People like it, though, man. I've seen a lot of good reviews of this thing. I got to say, it sounds like it's right up my alley. So, uh, dude, yeah. I, I challenge you to watch that and let me know what you think about it. Seriously, dude. I, I uh-huh. It's let me know how you feel about it when you see it. Oh, I definitely will. Yeah, hopefully tonight or tomorrow I'm going to check it out. If you maybe we should do an episode on it, even if depending on, you know, even if we don't, even if we both dislike it, maybe it would be a fun movie to talk about. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we both love dash cam. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. All right. All right, man. I think we got that covered. Yep. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you next week. Take care. Bye now.